Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Ich warte seit Wochen auf diesen Tag und tanz vor Freude über den Asphalt. Als wär's ein Rhythmus, als gäb's ein Lied, das mich immer weiter durch die Straßen zieht. Komm dir entgegen. Hallo und willkommen zu Gegenpressing, die Bundesliga-Podcast. I'm your host Manuel Veth and um, yeah, I guess co-host... Co-worker, colleague. Um, welcome to Transfermarkt, Stefan. How's it going? <laughs> yeah, we've. It's not quite um, the summer transfer window yet, but we always have. We already have a transfer to uh, announce. I am now an official m member of the Transfermarkt company, uh, and yeah, I'm now co-worker for you technically as well as co-host on the show. So, yeah, very exciting time. Yeah, done deal. Transfer announced, uh, done deal text. Um, you've been working already today. Um, I think it's great. Honestly, like, I guess this is now a Transfermarkt podcast as well. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, the, is it a gegenpressing podcast brought to you by Transfermarkt? I think these are questions that we still have to answer. But yeah, I, I'm really excited to have you aboard. Like, really excited. Um, I think... There's lots of stuff that we can work together on. Um, and it, it's just nice to have someone on the content side of things. And I, I think anyone listening here um, will be excited to read you. And I think there's already a couple of articles up that you did today. Uh, one on Rangnick and one on Lewandowski, I believe, Stefan? Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I'm so excited. Um, obviously, anyone who follows me on Twitter knows that I'm all about the transfer market. Um, I've been using transfer market as a source for what best part of two decades now so like i said and when i announced it on twitter it feels like a bit of a dream come true so yeah and i think it will only um enhance this podcast in the long in the long run we think so no one has anything to worry about but yeah exciting times ahead yeah it's great uh, i'm excited i'm just excited like I, i locked into my work chat this morning and i'm like i have a colleague full-time colleague um, who also does this podcast with me. So that's great. Um, I mean, you have other ones. I mean, you're not the only person yeah, no, in Transfermarkt. But like working on the English content side of things, of course, we also have Daniel Bush. I don't want to ignore that at all. But like, it's just nice to um, see the team growing and see. And I think we have lots of listeners in the UK and US. And I think for them too, that means that we just have a lot more possibilities now, right? Mm. Um, and I think there's some, you are, you are traveling to the Classica, for example, mm. this weekend. Very exciting. First time I'm leaving the UK in about two years, I think. Maybe more, almost three years because of the pandemic. So, yeah, very, very excited for that. So, yeah. I think the second well, the, the second podcast this week will certainly be coming from Munich, which will be fun. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, very exciting. Hopefully more things that we can bring to the podcast down the line as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm excited for you to get to see my hometown. Um, I would be extremely jealous if I wouldn't be traveling myself in May uh, to see Munich. So, um, And then maybe, who knows, maybe we can do some stuff together in Germany as well. That's all still in the plans. We have lots of things that we're thinking about, that we're wanting to do. But um, thankfully now it's we have a few more options to actually um, put them in motion, which is great. 
Um, but yeah, we have lots to talk about this week, Stefan. So let's jump right into it after this break. This episode of the Gegenpressing Podcast is brought to you by Bet Online. Our partners at Bet Online continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find all of the latest sports developments, including updated odds on the NBA playoffs, fights, and, and even next season's futures. And don't forget that the MLB is back as well. Who are you picking to win the World Series? Bet Online is your continued source for all your sports wagering needs, including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino and poker games. It's super easy to get started, so head to the website today or use your mobile device to join us. Use our promo code BELIEF, that is B-L-E-A-V, BELIEF, B-L-E-A-V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, where the game starts. Right. Um, I know it's already a few days ago um, and a few things happened on the weekend as well. Um, but, you know, with the Bundesliga title race going the way it's going, um, I think it's pretty predictable. Bayern Munich possibly could lift the title when you're there on Saturday. Um, so before we talk about what happened on the weekend, I do want to recap what happened last Thursday. Um you know, Bayern Munich obviously out of the Champions League on Wednesday against Villarreal, uh, very much deserved. So we touched on that on the last podcast that we did. Mm. Um, but for the first time since 1997, there is a strong possibility that a German team not named Bayern Munich could win a trophy internationally. We not have only have one, but two teams in the semifinals of the Europa League in Eintracht Frankfurt and RB Leipzig. In Eintracht Frankfurt, this is the second time in third, three years, is it now? Mm. Um, that they're there and um, facing against a London-based team in West Ham United. Last time it was Chelsea, of course, which uh, who they took all the way. And then, of course, RB Leipzig against, uh, against the Rangers um, in Glasgow, where you are based, Stefan. Mm. It is, and I think after the disappointment that was Bayern Munich's Champions League exit, and they are usually the, the team that holds up the German flag mm. internationally, and um, maybe also skewed the Bundesliga's record internationally a little bit more favorable than it actually is. I think this is actually, you know, an extremely positive story for German football because I think both teams have a legitimate shout of winning this title. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, the scenes at the new camp with the Freiburg fan, Freiburg fans, the Frankfurt fans was just incredible. Um, made all the better by just how furious Barcelona fans seemed to be afterwards, which is understandable because it was just an incredible scene. But, you know, it wasn't a lucky shot. It wasn't a smash and grab. Frankfurt really did play Barcelona off the pitch. And they've just been doing this time and time again in Europe this season. You know, I've had some people obviously over the last couple of days ask me what is going on because they had no, they paid no attention to Frankfurt all season until this tie came around, and they're like, "Oh, how 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 have they managed to do this? And why are they so bad in in the league?" And you know, the only thing I can really point to is this team are just really well built for counter attacking football. Um, you can probably plot results throughout the season in which they have kind of stepped up against better teams. Uh, you know, whereas Barcelona. A, a recent 
nil-nil draw, I believe, against Leipzig comes to mind, in which case they just completely shut Leipzig down. Leipzig should have scored maybe three or four goals, but they didn't. And that's because they have a player like Kevin Trapp between the, between the posts. Uh, they got a defender like Hinteregger right in front of them. And they've got a whole squad, a whole team, that just seem to know how to click into gear and play counter-attack in football. Uh, and they just did that over and over again against Barcelona. And Barcelona never once thought to you know, learn from it. So they played straight into Frankfurt's hands and they now go up against a West Ham side who will probably be the favourites for the game just in terms of finances and size of their squad, etc., etc. But I don't think it'll be anywhere near as one-sided as people expected the Barcelona game to be. So they've definitely got a huge chance. And then on the flip side, you have RB Leipzig, who I think are probably the favourites for this tournament now. Um, I think it's theirs to lose, to put it bluntly. You know, I had some Rangers fans over the weekend ask me what their chances are. And I said, look, I'm sorry, but if, if Leipzig play properly, they really should thump Rangers. I'm not saying they will, um, but they have the capacity to really thump any team right now. I said, you know, when people ask, like, oh, come on, really? I'm like, they really are the best team in Germany right now. And, I, and they, they once again showed that on Sunday um, at this business end of the season where they're pushing on, well, three fronts, if you want to argue that they're still fighting for that top four spot. Um, they've yet to put a foot wrong. Um, so I think Leipzig are probably the comfortable favourites for this tournament right now. Um, and it's great for German football. I know a lot of German football fans won't be delighted at the thought of RB Leipzig going for a Europa League. Uh, title, but the way German teams have been performing in Europe recently, they don't really beggars can't be choosers, you know, and they can't can't argue with it. If Leipzig are the best team in Germany, then they deserve to be challenging for European titles. Yeah, and they've been so very good under Tedesco, right? Um, averaged two point two five points in the Bundesliga under him, which would put them um, within distance to Bayern Munich. I think just three or four points behind them. Um, but also more relevant, and this, this this includes also a couple of games that were played before the uh, end of the Hinrunde, the first half of the season. Mm. If you just take the Rückrunde, the second half of the season, um, they're actually first yeah. in the in the standings. Um, so if you just take the the second half of the season, Leipzig would be ahead of Bayern Munich. That's how good they have been, right? Yeah. Um, and I, I think that also indicates to you, like, honestly, under Tedesco, we probably would have a title race this year if they if he had been in charge from the very beginning. Like, they're very, very, very good. And you see it, it's hard against Atlanta. I mean, uh, Atalanta, um, I, felt in, I felt they should have won the first leg comfortably. And uh, for various reasons, they didn't. And then in the, in the second leg, um, back watching it, um, I watched both games after the fact. I followed it from the beach in Tofino, to be honest with you, Stefan. Um, and then sat down in the evening and watched both games full, uh, both the Frankfurt and the Leipzig game, um, mostly because I was delighted by the results, but also just to see what, what happened there. And I actually think that Leipzig really, you know, they really put their authority into that match. And it was a very mature performance against a very good team, European team, right? Mm. Um, and you see that and you see those kind of performances in big matches like that. And we've said this over and over again. I, I think they are um, right now the best team in German football. And it's really a shame that we didn't get to see it over the full of 34 games, because I think this league would be very interesting if, if they had been, if Tatesco had been in the charge from the very beginning. 
Oh, absolutely. You know, I, I was I was on um, there's a TV show I do in India that cover the Bundesliga, and they were asking me about Bayern Munich and whether you know whether what's going on at the club right now is on the pitch or off the pitch. And I'm always tempted to say, yeah, you know, it's it's mostly off the pitch. And I'm not going to get too deep into this because we might talk about it later in the show. But one thing that did pop into my head here is that Nagelsmann has been very lucky that Tedesco didn't step into this job in the summer because. As you said, and I completely agree with you, I really do think if Tedesco had stepped into this job on day one, we probably would be looking at Leipzig top of the Bundesliga right now. Um, that might be an exaggeration. Maybe we're getting ahead of ourselves here with this team, but the what we've seen from them for more than 20, 25 games now, so it's not a blip, it's not like a new manager bounce that last five or six games. We're talking about a full stretch most of a season here. Um, Leipzig have been the best team in Germany, and if you consider just how much pressure is around Bayern Munich right now. Can you imagine how much more would be on them if they'd had to go toe-to-toe with Tedesco's Leipzig for the whole season? Mm. Um, I mean, you consider within that context, I think it really shows how impressive Leipzig have been. And again, you know why I think they really should be gunning for this Europa League. And it'd be great if we could get an all-German final, but even if it's the West Ham versus Leipzig or something, I still think it'd be a really good contest. An all German final be great. Um, it's in Sevilla this year. Oh, what? I mean, what, what a horrible, horrible uh, place to have to go cover a football game. We might just have to drag ourselves to that one. Terrible, absolutely <laughs> terrible. Um, and it's probably safe to say that there will be fifty five thousand Frankfurt fans there if they make it right. Yeah, and maybe fifty Leipzig fans. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that was remarkable, um, and I want to touch on that. And I, I know a lot of this has been said and a lot of has been reported about that. Um, but what Frankfurt have done and Frankfurt fans have done to get there and to fill a stadium, and I think it was 25,000 in the end that mm. they reported, maybe 30,000. But the sea of white, and this is this is probably put the, the cherry on top, right, Stefan, that they all were white. Yeah. So they looked like Real Madrid fans. And I think Barcelona, um, I mean, like, look, Spanish football has its has its moments and its atmosphere. You can't really compare it to what the Bundesliga, especially Frankfurt fans, put on uh, week in, week out now that restrictions are over. But, I mean, that was just the cherry on top, that they had the audacity to not only fill the stadium, but also do it in white. Yeah, exactly. It was a, it was a historic moment for Frankfurt, and it's one that the club deserve. You know, it's they're obviously something of a sleeping giant. I know it's a bit of a cliche in German football to say so, but it's just so bizarre not to have a team from Frankfurt pushing for the top four, pushing for titles, pushing for European, you know, success like this. Um, and it's so good to see um, the, the the kind of strides they've made in Europa League in recent seasons. I really hope that. Obviously, they've got something good in Oliver Glasner and they can build something special and really push on domestically as well as these really great runs in Europe. Because, you know, as as I've said in the show this season, like <laughs> the Bundesliga is losing its big clubs one by one. They're going down. I mean, I know one or two of them might come back up this season, but mm. we need these big clubs to really start behaving like they're big clubs. And Frankfurt are a good example of that. Historically, they're a huge club in Germany. Um, but... They haven't been so for a while now, so and they've obviously got such a huge, remarkable uh, support. So it's just great to see them travel around Europe and make a name for themselves. 
Yeah, we, we talked about how good Leipzig have been in the second half of the season. And I have the uh, Rückrunde tabelle in front of me. And um, Leipzig, yeah, first with 32 points, uh, 10 wins, two draws, one loss, and, and 13 games in the Rückrunde. Bayern would be second with 29 points. And Dortmund would be actually third with 29 points. Their record is a little bit better than, you know, it's on top of my head. But it would be a three-way race for the title at the moment. Frankfurt, though, in the Rückrunde, just 12 points, Stefan. Um, and they would be 14th, just ahead of Kreuter Fürth, who <laughs> remarkably, just based on the Rückrunde, would be actually out of the relegation zone, um, which, you know, you've pointed out in the past, they've been quite good. But it also shows you that Frankfurt has pretty much, um, and it was just Easter, so I'm going to use this analogy, put all eggs in one basket. <laughs> <laughs> and that basket it seems to be the Europa League, because you win that, you're in the Champions League. Yeah, exactly. And uh, we've seen this in recent weeks with Frankfurt. Like They obviously put in tremendous performances away from home in Europe and then they kind of dawdle of sorts in the Bundesliga. And they don't have the biggest squad. And you know, if you actually watch the way that Frankfurt play, Glasner does tend to stick with the same players. He doesn't really... She, he might not have the luxury of being able to swap players in and out like a Leipzig or a Bayern can. Um, you know, so... These players are putting in a lot of mileage right now in their legs and the club have obviously made a decision like we're going to prioritise Europa League, see how far we can get in it. They're not going to get relegated. So, you know, what harm is it really to not take their foot off the pedal or or, or, or foot off the gas domestically? But you can tell that they only really have the capacity to kind of prioritise themselves in one spot and it's gone full hog in the Europa League. Yeah, I think they're pretty much... I mean... It's exactly what happened because we did the preview show right on Thursday. And I said that no matter what will happen to Frankfurt on Thursday, win or lose, there will be a hangover on Sunday and they will lose to Union Berlin, which is exactly what happened. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And uh, I think that put the the final nail in the coffin to qualify for Europe over the Bundesliga route because they're very much, they're just three games away from qualifying for Europe through the Europa League route. And for a more attractive competition that is as well and um leipzig have done and maybe to put um the final final nail into this topic leipzig pretty much also did what we expect and they did beat uh leverkusen it was a bit tighter Hmm. um it must be so nice to have Nkunku on the bench i know and you know (laughs) it, it, it just feels like this guy can do no wrong in the moment um and, and, you know, the, the transfer stories are beginning to just light a blaze where he can or where he will go. I think I saw today that Man United might offer 50 million for him. I was like, it made me think, yeah, for which leg? You know, because this guy's yeah. he's putting in numbers that would have made Jadon Sanjo blush, blush a couple of seasons ago. So I don't think he's going to be going anywhere this summer without a truly, you know, historic amount of money going the other way. Mm. Um and on top of that, I think the thing that really interests me right now about Leipzig is that they've obviously got this squad of players who are all very ambitious. Um, and they're also on the cusp of potentially winning two cups. You know, they've obviously got the Europa League and they've got the Pokal, and then they're really pushing for things. And they're not, obviously not going to win anything in the Bundesliga, but they could finish this season um, challenging. Or not challenging, they, they could finish this season basically, you know, with more trophies than Bayern Munich. And I know that's not quite the same as the Bundesliga, but it's something that keeps players like Nkunku, Shobislai, Danny Olmo, whoever else. It's the kind of thing that keeps guys like that interested in what's going on at the club, you know? And it keeps them from thinking, 
oh, you know, I really need to move to a Barcelona or a PSG, whatever else to win titles, because Tedesco could really point and say, look, we're on the cusp of two cup finals here. Let's have a go to Bundesliga next season. So it's, it, you know, <laughs> I'm kind of getting sick of saying on this podcast, because I say every week, but things are very exciting for Leipzig right now. Things are ticking in the right direction for them. You know what makes you win? Winning. <laughs> um, it, but it, it starts like when you win trophies, and then they were so close a couple times already, right? That to win their first trophy, um, and this year it could be two, and um, that does that does set uh, once you won that first trophy, it does um, establish a certain mentality, right? And mm-hmm. it gives the players that you have the belief that you can win there. Yeah, um, and then it establishes a mindset that. This is a club that um, is built, and this is this has always been. This is why Mateschitz chose to expand his Red Bull operations into German football, um, out go away from Austria and go into Germany, or like expand on what he has in Austria. Is because, and by all respect to Salzburg and the amazing work that they do there, they're not going to be winning top four league titles simply because they're not in the top four league, but they're also going to always have a tough time challenging for titles like the Champions League. And we have to remember Leipzig have been in a Champions League semi-final already. Mm. And ultimately that is Mateschitz and the goal of not just him, but the entire everyone working at Red Bull is for them as a club or as a company to win the Champions League. And the club to do it with is Leipzig. And um you know, you have to put one foot before one step for, for the before you make two steps, you have to make one step. And the one step could be winning a smaller domestic trophy or a smaller international trophy. But we all know what that leads to. And it gives you once you learn how to win trophies, it becomes endemic. Um and it, it becomes established at the club. And I think that is something that um, you know, could really build this project. And I know lots of people don't like to hear that word project, but Ultimately, for German football as a whole, it will be a strong Leipzig that is built this way and is challenging for titles is actually going to be better for the league. Um, And that's even if the rest of the fans hate this club. Um, And that's certainly there is an element of truth to that. But hate also establishes interest. Look at Bayern. Like their slogan is they have a scarf that they sell uh, before the Allianz Arena that says, your hate is our pride. (laughs) Right. Yeah, it's a great point. It's a great point, and that's exactly. I mean, do you think Leipzig fans care? Of course, they don't care. They revel in no, it. No, they just want to win. <laughs> um, ultimately, they don't give a damn about how how the other fan bases feel about them. You know? Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, I, anyways, I, I think it's a really interesting story, and um, of course, the, we we wanna wanna point this out to the the last two teams not named Bayern to win. An international trophy, and this happened in 1997. Uh, was Borussia Dortmund winning the Champions League three-one against um, Juventus in Munich at the Olympiastadion, and then of course Schalke. Um, back then, it was a two-legged Euro- UEFA Cup final against Inter Milan, and they won it in penalties. Um, Jens Lehmann, of course, being the hero in this one, uh, a Christ- and I, not sorry, not a Cristiano Ronaldo, a real Ronaldo on the pitch for that one as well. Um, I remember it quite well. Um, it, was, it was a great story. And um, we'll see, maybe finally, after 25 years, we'll finally have a team not named Bayern Munich from the Bundesliga winning this title. Um, I think it'd be quite important. And interestingly enough, Stefan, 
Borussia Dortmund is not going to be this club because I think everyone always expected it would be Borussia Dortmund to do it, right? Um, they came the closest, of course, when they were in the, in the final against Bayern Munich in uh, 2013 in the Champions League and at Wembley. But um, even though the Rückrunde, when you look at the Rückrunde, it's quite close. Um, there would be three points behind Leipzig if we just take that. Mm. Um, no title whatsoever for them. And you pointedly put out a tweet this morning saying that, oh, with nothing on the line for them, they can get their transfer business done. And the transfer business is is looking quite good. Um, you know, my argument is that they possibly have the future of the German national team uh, in defense, the two center backs. Um, Süle already signed Schlotterbeck next. That is quite an upgrade on the defense. Oh, it's a huge upgrade on the defense, you know, and my, the kind of quip I made was that I guess the benefit of getting dropping out of every competition in February is that you get a head start in the summer transfer window. And that's kind of how it's felt for Dortmund for quite some time now. Um, you know, we were talking about this whole Erling Haaland thing to, earlier off air, and we were saying, I was just saying, oh, you know, I'm so bored of it. And I was saying, I think the Dortmund fans are bored of it as well at this point. I think the club themselves, when you hear them talk uh, in between the lines, they're saying, look, you know, we're just waiting. There's a deadline for when player for when clubs can make a bid for them. Let's get this done and over and done with. And you do kind of get the impression that the club itself and the fans in the stands, more importantly, um, appreciate what he's doing on the pitch. But I think they're probably running out of patience of all this kind of circus that's been kind of revolving around Dortmund this season as to where he's going to go, the comments his agents are making, the obscene amount of money that's been talked about for this guy. Um and for some time now, it has just felt like Dortmund are just kind of sitting, waiting for next season to come along. And they're planning, um, which is exactly what they've had to do because they've been abysmal this season for the most part, despite still being second in the league. Um, and it's encouraging to see them kind of making these steps. Obviously, we did a kind of breaking news podcast when Nicholas Sula was announced because it was such a big deal. Schlotterbeck's another example of that. Um, I'm not entirely sure he's a finished article, but he's obviously still a player with a huge amount of potential. Him and Sula are obviously a great base to which you can build a team around. Um, and then if you can bring in someone like Adeyemi to to kind of help cover up for Haaland, then you're already off their flyer. I mean, I still think there's a lot more has to go into this team, to be honest with you, to get them to maybe like a, a Leipzig level, never even mind Bayern Munich. You know, I still think they're very, very short, on wide positions. Um, never mind Haaland. I think Marco Royce has probably been papering over, papering over the cracks a lot this season for his goals and assists. Um, I think if he'd had a kind of season in which he dropped out for 10 or 15 games, which isn't as unusual for him, I think Dortmund would be in a huge more, a lot more pro, uh, trouble. Um, because if you look at those wide players in that team, Julian Brandt, Eden Hazard, Gio Reyna, um, I can't even remember who else off the top of my head. You know, okay, Reina gets a pass because he's been injured, but I've been really quite upset with the way that Brandt and Hazard have really struggled to kind of push on and nail down these attacking midfield positions for their own. So I think they need a lot of investment there. I think they probably need two more fullbacks as well. Um, you know, and so there's a lot there's a lot going on at Dortmund now. It's encouraging that they're getting their work done early. They're making some really impressive signings right now, but my goodness, they are not out of the woods yet. Yeah, I think Gio Reyna was ultimately supposed to help out 
Royce this year, right? Yeah. Um, and we, I mean, Royce himself, you know, when I talk to people that are close to his camp, he's quite aware of the fact that um, his body has probably been the most stable that it has been in his entire career. Um, and that's true. I mean, um, one of the big issues has been his body throughout his career. Can you imagine the career he would have had if he had been injury free throughout? I mean, he missed the 2014 World Cup, for example, right? Wow. Due to an injury and then the Euros as well in 2016 um, with an injury. And um, it's been a lot of injury dramas throughout. And this is probably the most stable he has been. And I'm 100% in agreement with you because the plan actually was for Gio Reyna to take a lot of that workload. And um, unfortunately for the poor Gio, his body has been striking a lot of the times, um, just not being able to to carry the workload that's expected of him. And he's young. We have to remember that too, you know, and, I, and, he's, in, and he's in good hands. And I, I am I'm sure that they will find a way to stabilize him. But um, sooner or later, they will have to, um, be able to, to compensate for that. And I think Dortmund were actually really good. And uh, I actually thought it was really fascinating um, what Rose did um, on the weekend because you looked at that lineup and I looked at that lineup and I was like, who? <laughs> and then he scores. Um, young little Rote, uh, Tom Rote, a 17-year-old. Um, and it wasn't just me who said who. Uh, when they announce his name, a lot of you know in Germany they always say the first name, and then the fans are supposed to shout the second name, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, it was really quiet at the first fall in the stadium for the second name. Got a little bit louder when he then scored the opener. Um, but it's been interesting seeing because there was that big article in Kicker about how Dortmund are going to give more time to the younger players, right? And uh, we did see Rote uh, start. We did see Lionel Simic come on. We, Reina had time on. Mukuku had time on. And um, someone who a lot of people think could be the next Jaden Sancho, uh, Jamie Bino Giddens. I hope I said that right. Mm. Uh, correct me if I said it wrong. I th- in the, in, another guy that designed for Manchester City also had his made his debut. Um and I, with shock, found out that he's almost exactly 20 years younger than me. Um, you know, <laughs> these people, these players can be my kids. Um, this is how old I'm getting. But, um, you know, they are doing those things now that they have essentially promised they would be doing um, and bringing in new faces as well. It does look like a little bit of a paradigm shift there. Yeah, absolutely. And this, I think this is kind of the crux of the, the discussion that's happening at Dortmund right now, where you have a lot of people on the outside of the club thinking, oh, you know what, this hasn't worked out for Marco Rosa. He's surely only a matter of time before he kicks the bucket and the club move on, bring in Eden Terzic, get him back in place, let's, let's go again. Um, and that was actually kind of what was rumoured a few weeks ago. Stories came out in the German press, but... If you kind of look behind the scenes, you are looking at the club, you know, obviously under Sebastian Kehl uh, and Rosa, really putting in the foundations for, you know, a long-term project, which is why when the news of Rosa being sacked was brought up in this podcast, we both kind of dismissed it quite happily because it just doesn't really chime with what's going on at the club right now. Um, I think it's quite fair to say that Behind closed doors at Dortmund, they're expecting Haaland to obviously move on. They've already, you know, 
shortlisted the players they're going to sign with, the money they make from his sale. And it's going to be very professional. Thanks. Have a nice day. Enjoy Manchester City, you know? And if you're a Dortmund fan, that's maybe quite frustrating because, um, you know, since the start of this year, they haven't been very convincing. They've been quite inconsistent. Um, and they're yeah. by no means, by no means, they look as convincing as Leipzig or Bayern. But there is at least some work being done there in the background, I think. Um, and we're seeing that from the players who are being linked with moves and will almost certainly will get those moves on the transfer window, but also these younger players who are now getting a, now getting some game time. Yeah, I mean, in fairness, um, they played most of the second half of the season without Haaland and they're still on the same points in the Rückrunde than Bayern. Hmm. In fa- I mean, this is this is also part of the story, right? Um, that they have um, matched Bayern Munich's clip in point production since the, the start of the Rückrunde. Um, and that is really impressive. And then most of those games were without Haaland. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and- look... Make no mistake about it, this, their Classico this weekend is a match between two hobbling, you know, injured, uh, troubled teams. These are these are two clubs that are have been battered and bruised over the last couple of months on the pitch and off it. So, you know, I know their Classico is obviously the game in Germany, and I know there's a lot of people in German football that even hate the term der Classico. Uh, yeah, the most, wrong term. <laughs> yeah, well, exactly. Um, but um, and it, it, you know, of course, it will get the attention it deserves, and we'll obviously cover it far more in depth in the preview show later in this week. But are these two the best teams? Are these, are these the two best teams in Germany right now? I don't think so. Um, and neither of them are playing nearly as well as they should be doing. And they both both clubs have a huge number of issues that they have to solve in the summer. So. That, more than anything else, is what makes it quite interesting for me as a game and where both clubs are at the moment. Which, of course, uh, you know, when, when two fight, streiten, freut sich der Dritte. When two fight, the third party is happy. And that could be Leipzig. Exactly. Um, because, like, yeah, Dortmund are losing Haaland, but Bayern might be losing Lewandowski. I think that was the first ever article you published for Transfermarkt. Um, so <laughs> that's, that's um, very much a possibility. I think, and um, you know, we should probably talk about this a bit more in the preview. But I just want to point this out um, before we move on to talk about um, the last small topic that we have today, and then get into questions because we have a few, and some of them are really interesting. Um, Holland, the Holland story has been reported by the Daily Mail and the Athletic. Um, David Ornstein for The Athletic and uh, Keegan, Mike Keegan for Daily Mail reporting that this deal is pretty much that personal terms have been agreed. Uh, Haaland would receive about £500,000 plus per week at Manchester City and um, his camp has agreed. There's nothing is signed. Um, it still will take some work for this transfer to get across the line. Uh, Jan Agafiotov, who often is a little bit of uh, a personal spokesman for the Haaland family, has said nothing is decided yet. So this is where we are. Um, just want to point this out before we move on. Um, I want to really briefly talk about the second Bundesliga, because this is kind of sort of part of the questions that we get. Uh, we didn't get that specific question this week, but um, and really briefly, because we're probably going to get our guest on who can do this much better than we can, Stefan. Mm. But you already alluded to it. It does look like two big teams are coming back. Um, 
with the caveat, of course, that the second Bundesliga is probably the most unpredictable league in the world. <laughs> um, it is so very hard to predict. Schalke and Bremen, the two teams that got relegated from the Bundesliga, two giants and Schalke, one of the third or second largest team, depending whether you are Schalke or Dortmund fan <laughs> in German football based on membership. Um, I think Schalke fans would argue that the biggest club in Germany up until a few years ago. Right, sure. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they're not wrong. It is, it's a, a club that moves a lot of people in Germany. Um, you know, they have a huge, they have a huge amount of fans. A giant, they're a giant of a club, um, but they're also in the second division. So, but it looks like they're going back up. Which I personally, it was fun to make fun of Schalke when they went down. But I do miss them. Um, and the Bundesliga is a better place for Schalke in it. And I actually would argue the same for Werder Bremen, Stefan. The Bundesliga is a better place when Werder Bremen are in it. And I would actually say the same for Hamburger as well, if they wouldn't make a meal of it again. Um, because they're five points behind the promotion relegation spot, which is occupied by St. Pauli. Hmm. So I'm not sure we're getting them back this year. Um, we could get a team back in Hamburg, which would be nice for the two of us because that's where technically our office is. Um, it'd be nice to visit our office combining it with a Bundesliga game. I don't think that's going to happen next year, but maybe at some point. Um, and I think it would improve the mood with a lot of our colleagues too if Hamburg go up, Stefan. <laughs> yeah, we might have a few more days off. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm, I, this is this is exciting. Obviously, you know what happened at Schalke. I know everyone got to have their fun with it last season, but it was it was sad. It was it was disappointing, um, and it's and it's not something that I kind of enjoy. To be perfectly honest with you, I've kind of mentioned on the show mm. before that I have a kind of concern that German football is being hollowed out by the kind of economics of major f- European football right now, um, and I think clubs like Schalke, Werder Bremen, are maybe a good example of that where. Um, you know, if they're not extremely efficient and extremely good with their resources on the pitch, they very quickly begin to just spiral out of control. Um, so it'd be really great to see Schalke and Werder Bremen back in the division, of course. Um, and if I had my choice, I would love to see either St. Pauli or Hamburg back in as well. You know, um, mm. I've I've kind of wanted Hamburg back in a division since it got relegated. To be perfectly honest with you, I'm not a Hamburg yeah, me fan too. by any means, but they're just such a great club. It's a great stadium, it's a great town, um, and historically they are one of the biggest clubs in German football. So you know we want we want those teams back in the league, um, performing well. Um, so you know I, but then if St. Pauli came up, then fine, they deserve it too. They're a great club, great town as well. Um, you know, uh, St. Pauli fans might get annoyed at even more tourists showing up at their stadium, which I know for a fact that they're not delighted with um, having been there on match days a few times. But it's it, it'd be great to see them in the division. It'd be great just to have a team from Hamburg there, you know. Um, yeah, so I was just going to add that. I think we need a team from Hamburg back. This is Germany's second largest city. Exactly. Right? And probably um, maybe it's richest city as well per capita, if I'm not mistaken. I know Munich might. Mm. I know you'd you'd <laughs> argue it's Munich, but I think parts of Hamburg might be richer. But anyway, um, anyway, but it's, it's certainly the second richest club. So you know, we're not talking about like an old mining town here. We're talking about the you know I don't even know the best comparison for the US. Maybe like it's like it's like it's like it's like the L, it's like a team in LA. 
or Chicago or something playing in the second yeah. division of the NBA or NFL. I know those things don't exist, but you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, so need to get it's it a started. huge market in Germany that doesn't have a team. That's the bottom line. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And um, I mean, Munich and Hamburg are actually quite comparable for markets. Like the Berlin is the capital, Frankfurt is the commercial center, but um, Hamburg and Munich are the two cities that have, as you said, rightfully so, probably arguably um, have the highest GDP each. Um, the, Düsseldorf is another one that could probably compete with that too, but um, it's a huge market that is not served. That's the bottom line. Mm. It is like having no team in LA. It's you know what it's like. It's it's like having the Premier League without Liverpool or Everton in it. That's probably yeah. that's maybe a better way of describing it. Or even the Premier League without um, any Manchester side in it. You know, um, it's maybe a little different <coughs> population wise because so much of Germany is based around that Cologne region and the towns like Dortmund and Gelsenkirchen and Dusseldorf and things. So it's not really the same in terms of population density, but in terms of football in history, um, I would say Hamburg are as relevant to German football as a Liverpool or an Everton or Manchester United or Manchester City are to to English football. Yeah, they have won a European Cup. Yeah. People forget that. Um, no, they need to be back in it. It's probably not going to happen this year. Uh, the second Bundesliga is going to be really interesting. You know, Stefan, and before we go to questions... Um, a team also lurking around there in the second division. I do want to bring this up. And this is the team that has won the second most titles, league uh, national championship titles in German football is Nuremberg. Hmm. Um, another big city, um, the second largest city in Bavaria. Um, and also, and I mean, this is another aspect that I think is important. St. Pauli, yes, is in Hamburg, but it doesn't necessarily, even though they might play some games in the Volksparkstadion. But Nuremberg adds 45,000 uh, spectators per match day mm. when they go up, right? Yeah. And and that is twice of what a Bielefeld, a Fürth, or any of these other teams can put in a stadium. And like that's the thing. Like These teams, and Nuremberg is definitely one of those teams. It's a, it's a huge, another huge market. And with another big stadium, um, one of the World Cup stadiums, in fact, right? Mm. And um, this is actually an, an aspect that you have to consider. Like for the Bundesliga having Bielefeld and Fürth and all these other teams, yeah, that's fun. But these stadiums are only eighteen to 25,000 people. Mm-hmm. And people don't watch it. Like It's also not great for your TV markets. Um, the big TV markets are places like Gelsenkirchen, Bremen, Hamburg, Nuremberg. You know, those are the cities with lots of people and eyeballs on the game. And so you need to have them back in. Um, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So it'll be exciting to see how it ends up. But we'll, we'll, yeah. we will strive to get someone on the show who can go into much greater detail before the end of the season or afterwards well, and they can explain it properly. Well, especially because this was one of the questions that I that we got, right? Like, um, was about, um, this is from Balham Dude 2022 on Twitter. Um, and we I already answered the Erling Haaland question, but he asked, will you watch the Bundesliga relegation promotion matches next month? Uh, yes, I will. I'll be there and I will try to go to them. Um, I extra booked my flights around them. Um, I want to do the final match day in the league. I want to do the DFB Pokal and I want to do the promotion relegation playoffs. So yes, I'll be going to them. Uh, hopefully Nuremberg are in it. That would just make my life a lot easier for Munich <laughs> um, because I can go there, watch a game, go back. 
Um, and then we'll see who the other teams will be. Um, maybe Stuttgart Nuremberg. That'd be great. I can do both as a day trip. Uh, that'd be fantastic. Um, Turk Kuchu München, the second team, the third team in Munich that got relegated. Yeah, they got you know financial problems, um, and they all points got uh, ripped. They got stripped of all their points, and the points got redistributed to the other teams. So they're gone, um, completely gone. Um, they're probably never gonna come back. Um, and then give a prediction for the bottom three in the Bundesliga, please. He also asked Stefan. Oh, that's that's difficult. I'm gonna leave that one to you. Oh, I don't think it's that difficult. Well, I didn't until this weekend's results when Hertha once again seemed to um, throw up a very interesting spanner in the works. Um, but I'm still going with Kortefer, Arminia Bielefeld, and Hertha Berlin. Mm, yeah, I agree with you. Who's on the promotion relegation spot? Oh, it's going to have to be Hertha, I think. Do you know that'd be good because then I can do that with the uh, Pokal. <laughs> <laughs> you can you can go to you can go to Union Berlin in uh, in their cup final the same week as Hertha in their relegation playoff game. Right, that's of course assuming that they get past Leipzig. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I, I we'll see that that would make my life very easy, and then I can do maybe Nuremberg in the second leg. Um, I'll take that. Um, we had another question come in from David Holm. The top four all had new coaches this year. How do you see the next seasons for two, two for each pairing? FCB, Julian Nagelsmann seem confused on squad and system. B4B, Rosa have no identity or structure. Sione, Leverkusen seem to be good pairing. Tedesco, RBL reminds me of Flick taking over FCB, a home run. I would agree with the Tedesco, RBL. Mm. Um, and we've talked about it in great length, so we don't need to add much to that. Um, Sion and Leverkusen, yeah, is a good pairing. I think they're going to finish top four, right? There's not going to be a late season collapse from Freiburg. I'm going to sneak in, or, or is there? Well, <laughs> I tell you what, I was I was looking at this. I was looking at both teams' runnings um, toward between now and the end of the season, and Leverkusen and Freiburg actually play each other in the last day of the season. Um, however, Freiburg have a much harder run-in before that, I think. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. I just, in terms of answering the question, I think Leverkusen are absolutely fine. I think they've got the squad to finish top four. The coach is doing a perfectly good job. I just think they've been undone by injuries. And at the end of the day, sometimes there's nothing you can do about that. Um, mm. I mean, they really have been absolutely gutted by injuries in terms of you know, Patrick Schick, Florian Wirtz, Frimpong. Um, oh, God, who else has there been? There's been a number of midfielders as well. So, on their day, Leverkusen are one of the best teams in the league. They've got one of the best squads in the week, in the league. Um, they're just about hanging on for a top four spot. Um, and that's the gist of it. We kind of talked about Dortmund already and how I feel like they're kind of putting mm. together a long-term project. Um, Leipzig, untouchable at the minute. That's fine. Bayern Munich, really interesting to see what happens this summer. Um, they're obviously making moves for both the players at Ajax. Um, we still don't know what's going to happen with Lewandowski. Maybe that's a topic for another show after, even though we've talked about it like three times in the last month. Um, but I think we're probably going to have to... For that one, I want to wait for you to be there and be on the ground. <laughs> yeah, Alaska myself on Saturday. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, you... 
I, mixed zones are a great place to hear things. Yeah, exactly. Sorry. So I think I think I think there's a lot a lot's going to have to go right for Bayern Munich this summer. I'll put it that way. I think they've got a lot of hard work to do. I think Dortmund have a lot of hard work to do. Leipzig and Leverkusen not so much. Yeah, I agree with that. And I think it's interesting too that Nagelsmann said this week you can't mess up too many transfer windows. Which was a pointed pointed comment to someone in the front office. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Um and then really interesting one too. Yeah. Um and then I think that covers a lot of the other uh, questions. Uh, we had another question. What do the top four teams need to in order to improve? That came in from Steve B, SC Bergs on Twitter. I think we kind of answered that. And then Brandon also asked, uh, what's going on at Bayern and its front, the coach or front office fault? And that's from Brandon or Geo for Live 3. I think we kind of covered that as well. But I think we're going to cover that again in depth once we have a bit more information. And I think a lot of the Dortmund Bayern questions we're going to cover in the preview show yeah. that's coming later this week because usually we preview every game. We'll do that, of course, again. But uh, there will be, we all pick a top game for that show. And I think this week it's going to be quite easy. And we can, because we're probably both going to pick the same top game. I assume, Stefan, we can spend a bit more time on it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> because it's going to be hard to pick another top game um, but yeah um, we appreciate the questions they're great um, you can of course also DM us questions my DMs are open I'm not sure if Def Stefan are your DMs open if not then yeah, they are. just yeah. DM them to me uh, there you go the Stefan's DMs are open too um, you can you can always ask um, we really appreciate the questions we really appreciate you listening uh, please leave us a feedback and as always this show is brought to you by Bet Online. Um, yeah, that's it. That's it from the early show. I hope you had a nice Easter holiday. And um, we'll be back with the Classica preview later this week. Uh, Stefan, have a good trip to Munich. Um, enjoy the beer, the Brezen, the Weißwurst. Say hello to my, say hello to my hometown. Um, and welcome again to Transfermarkt. Thank you so much. I'm looking forward to it. Awesome stuff. Okay, that's it from, from us. Until next time, auf Wiedersehen. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.